Hey, good morning, guys and gals. Uh, go ahead and open up your Bible uh, to Romans chapter 12. If you're new to your Bible, that's uh, in the New Testament, so split it in half and keep going to the right a little bit. Um, Romans 12, uh, and then when I hear pages kind of slowing down, we'll, we'll jump in and uh, read together. Uh, glad you guys are here. We're going to have it up here on the screen as well, and if you have a device, uh, you can scroll over to it on your device. Uh, maybe that um, will be of help for you as well. Romans chapter 12, here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of, of uh, individually members one of another. Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith... If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his serving, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Hey, would you uh, join me as we pray? God, thanks so much for your word. Uh, thanks for um, your word to Paul that he wrote down, and we have uh, years and years later to be encouraged by and challenged by and to help give us handles uh, for our faith. God, I pray as we spend time together this morning, uh, knowing, just as Michelle said, that we are brought here by your sovereignty, God. There is none of us here that are here by accident. Uh, I pray that we would be open to hear from your spirit. Uh, Father, I am available to speak. Um, would you, uh, uh, for you to speak through me, would, and so would you do that? Uh, just speak your words, Father, and let us follow through. Give us a heart of obedience to your word. Um, give us ears to hear. Um, and we're just going to allow you to be glorified in all areas, I pray. In Jesus' name now, amen. Um, guys, you ever look at people and just think, gosh, you are so gifted. And, and then instead of like being uh, encouraged by that, you're almost mad because they have all the gifts. And you're like, could you just leave maybe a couple for the rest of us? Like, I, I, I would like to be able to do the things uh, that you do. Guys, I have to, like, stop for a second right now. Um, man, I have just been pressed all morning, and um, good night. Like, this rarely ever happens, but, but when it does, I feel like if I try to just, like, blow forward, um, like, I feel it the entire time that we're hanging out. And so, um, to be true to what I feel like the Spirit is um, doing right now, um, I want to stop and pray, because um, my heart has been wrecked um, this week. Um, I have just been struggling. Um, my, uh, like, I'm stressed. Um, there's a lot of just garbage just sifting through my mind and just kind of blowing around, and um, man, I just feel like if I'm not honest with that, like, I'm just going to be up here trying to teach, and it's just going to be really difficult. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Uh, as I'm standing up here, and uh, I want to try to deliver God's word to you um, as he's laid it on my heart, and I feel like he's got a really good message uh, for us, not because I'm delivering it, but because I think it's from him. 
Um, but this, this week, it's just been hard. Um, my, my mind's been in a thousand different places. Um, I'm stressed in my own personal life. I feel like we're stressed in our family. Um, there's a lot of, you know, things as everybody in here are working through, um, things that are in the culture, things that are going on in society, um, things that, you know, like, I'm, this, is, this isn't just us. Like, I think we're all having to deal with things right now. Um, but I feel it just so intensely. This, this morning during the first service, I felt it too, and I just pressed through. And, um, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you would. All right? Father, when we don't have the words uh, to pray, uh, your word tells us your spirit intercedes for us. Uh, and uh, prays in ways that um, takes our groanings and interprets, interprets them to you. And so, man, I've just been grumbling in my spirit this week, not knowing why I'm so stressed, not knowing why what's going on is going on in my heart. Um, some things I know of and some things I don't, but there is just a rumbling in my spirit, God. And I just need you to take that. And I need you to bring it to you through your spirit and just work in me, even right now as before my brothers and sisters. I mean, how awkward does this get? But man, God, this, is, this is your body at work. And so thank you that I've got brothers and sisters that are praying right now for what you want to do this morning and how you want to, I don't know, just maybe set my heart and mind free right now to worship fully and Maybe for my brothers and sisters, to, um, if they're struggling too and just wrestling with things and trying to figure out, God, how do we move forward in, um, in, in our life and, and um, uh, the struggles that we're working through and with kids and finances and uh, vaccines or not vaccines and masks and not masks and all the stuff that we're wrestling through right now, God. Lord, if our heart is... Uh, just struggling and burdened, I pray that you would just release us from that. And I pray that you would meet us in this place and you would uh, teach us and that we'd be honest with you and the things that we're struggling with, that we wouldn't just carry it um, as a burden for ourselves, but we would carry it as brothers and sisters. And Man, God, I just, I'm thankful. I, I'm, thank, I'm, I'm embarrassed uh, a little bit right now in front of, in front of everybody, um, but Lord, I'm thankful um, that when we cry to you, you hear us, um, and your spirit meets us there. So thanks for this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So there we have it. You guys with me? All right, here we go. Um, so we're in Romans chapter 12. Um, uh, we're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit uh, at some point uh, this morning. Um, but I, I thought this, this week... Um, that maybe, maybe, maybe even some of this is part of what I'm dealing with, guys, is that you look at gifted people and you think, why, do I don't, why don't I have what they have? And you start playing this comparison game. You're like, they have everything. I don't have anything. And you just kind of buy this lie that you've got nothing to bring to the table. And so like this week, I've just really been struggling kind of with this comparison game. Like as a pastor, you start comparing yourself to other pastors. Like, man, we have podcasts and we've got video and you can start putting yourself up against these celebrity pastors. You think, Gosh, they are just so charismatic. They are just so good. They can take the word so deep, and they can bring people along with them. And you just think, 
I can't do, or at least I think I can't do any of that. And I start, and so I think the enemy has just kind of been raking me over the coals uh, in that place this week. And I've been kind of carrying that uh, around and playing the comparison game. But here's what I'm convinced of, okay? I'm convinced of this truth that there is an enemy that wants you to look at your brothers and sisters, wants me to look at my brothers and sisters uh, who are in Christ and feel like they've got their life all together, right? And they don't do anything wrong and that you are never going to have your life together. It's never going to look good for you. And so you might as well just kind of sit down and shut up because if you say something or if you try to do something, you're just going to make a fool out of yourself or, or you're just going to fail on, on some level. And I, I just wonder if anybody else gets bamboozled that way. Do you ever let the, like the enemy come in and just kind of throw you off track? Uh, like that. Man, like this week has been one of those uh, weeks uh, for me, and I just thought, why, why do we do that? Um, here's what I'm beginning to realize, the, the older that I get. Now, I should have realized this a long time ago, but sometimes I can be a little bit late to get to the party, okay? So I realize that. Um, what I'm realizing now, the older that I'm getting, is that God is, he's, in, he's not busy just giving one person all the gifts, right? <laughs> he's not just like, you get everything, and you get nothing, kind of going down the line and saying, Helen, you get this, and, and, and Kelsey, you get this, and oh, there's Anthony, and whoop, let's just jump over there, and, and like, let's get going again. Like, he's not just somehow skipping over you. Like, he has gifted you just like he's gifted other believers in Christ. By his mercy and his grace, what he does is he's, he redeems us, he puts his spirit inside of us. He gifts every single believer with gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that, that I believe is true, that the gifts that he puts in our lives, they are hand-selected for you. Like, it's the spirit in your life, and he has picked, this is the gift that he's giving you right now in this season of life. And then what he does, he sets us free to use those gifts. And so what happens is there's no need to compare ourselves with anybody else or no need to compare our gifts with anybody else's gifts because it just doesn't end up working out very well. What ends up happening is that we compare ourselves to others and we tend to forget that God has actually gifted us. Not just that, that we, we don't have the gift that somebody else has. We just forget that we have a gift altogether and then you play that out long enough, you just don't do anything with it. You end up sitting on that gift, and, and I don't know if you're into like tools and building stuff or not, but if you're a guy or a gal who wears a tool belt, and you've got a tool inside of your tool belt that is no use for you, you don't just kind of keep it around hanging out in the tool belt, do you? <clears throat> you pop it out, and you put another tool that is useful. <clears throat> God has gifted us to be a tool in the tool belt to use to build his kingdom, to bring people into the kingdom, and to help mature one another as, as well. And so what I want us to do is I want us to think about this this morning. The best way for us to use our gift, the best way for us to grow our gift, and I would say I think the best way for us to honor God with our gift isn't to compare ourselves to somebody else. I think the best way that we honor God with our gifts is to actually use it, to use the gift. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you want to grow your gift, use your gift. If you want to honor God with your gift, use the gift that he's given you. I think we honor God and the kingdom grows when we say yes to using our gifts. I'll say it again. We honor God and the kingdom grows when we say yes to using our gifts. There's so many yeses and no's that we have to deal with every single day of our lives, right? We're constantly battling, trying to say, well, do I say yes to this? Do I say no to this? And that's a struggle 
Because it's not always as clear cut as like, this would be a terrible decision that I'm struggling to say yes to or no to, right? It's usually a battle of good things. Like, do I say yes to this or do I say no to this? And we're all in the middle of that struggle. And I was talking to somebody this week and she just, like, I was so challenged by her because she she said this. She said, I want to just be freed up to give my best yes to God. And again, we have a lot of yeses, but she was saying, I want to be able to give my best yes for God. Now, think about that. What if your best yes, the the one that you've got waiting in the back pocket, use it just the right time, what if your best yes was reserved for for God? So that's what I, I, now I want to get to talking about. I, I want to talk about our gifts and how we use them and how we use them to give our best yes to God. Now, we know that we're all born with, um, with different various natural gifts and talents simply because that's the way we were wired. We, we didn't do anything to get these things. We were just simply born, and that's how it worked. There are things that come easier to you than may come easy for, for somebody else. Some of y'all are, are great academics, but athletics, I mean, that is just nowhere on the radar for you. Some of you are great at sports, and like you came out with a ball in your hand, right? But you would never want to pick up a book, and that's okay because that's how you've been wired. It's just how you're naturally wired, and you are passionate about the things that other people may not be passionate about. And the truth is, you didn't do that. Like, God did that. You didn't do, like, you just kind of popped up and showed up on the scene. You may have worked at your gift. You may have worked at your talent to help refine some of those skills and and those things that you're good at. But God is the one who put that wiring inside of you and gave you a passion for that thing. And these are what we call natural giftings. They're common gifts of grace. Um, uh, they're common gifts of God's grace in our lives that should lead us to lift up our voices as David lifted up his voice in awe of God's creative power. He said, you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. What David was saying, was saying, God, thank you. You did this in my life. You gave me my passions. You gave me my gifts. You gave me the things that make me weird and the things that make me odd and stand out. These are things that you gave me that are actually a part of who you made me to be. But because of his goodness, not only does he give us these common gifts of grace, what he does is when we come to Christ, he takes all of those gifts and he says, okay, now I'm going to redeem those. And as I redeem them, I want you to use them for me. I want you to take those gifts and start pointing people to Christ. I want you to use those gifts to help build up the the kingdom. And on top of that, not only does he leave us with just those natural gifts that he redeems, he takes and he puts spiritual gifts into our lives. Lives that are gifts or or, or, um, gifts that that come from the Holy Spirit himself. Now, here's the deal when it comes with gifts. If we don't use them to build up the body and point people to, to Jesus, the temptation is that we'll become well-gifted brothers and sisters in Christ who are just simply sitting on our gifts. And what happens when we just sit on our gifts is we end up becoming consumers of a product rather than worshipers of our God. We, we show up at church and we have a great time and we listen to the music and we listen to the talk and, and, and we spend time with people and we walk out and depending on the quality of the product, we have conversations in the car 
not about worship, about, but about how we felt about the service. And so we felt like the music was good, the preaching was okay, and the community was good, or we felt like the preaching was good, and the community was okay, and the music was great. And we start putting like a tally sheet on what happened on the Sunday morning service. And so that's what happens when we just become a, a, a user of a commodity as part, as rather than being a worshiper who's built into community, using our gifts to help build up the local church so that the kingdom can, can grow and, and expand. And we become, um, yeah, just, just, just consumers. And the truth is, we weren't made and built to be consumers, right? We were made by God and gifted by God to be in the game, to be involved, to, to be a part of what's happening. And so I don't think any of us would say that using our gifts is the way that we find our souls being satisfied because we know that when we come to Christ, our, our, ultimate, our ultimate need is satisfied in him and him alone. So he is the one that satisfies our soul. He's the one that, that gives us a, our desires to move towards him. He is the one that does, like he is sovereign over that. And so our lives are fully complete in him alone. But we find joy when we take the gift that God has given us and use it and, and do the work that he's called us to do with that gift. So we're fully satisfied in our soul in Christ, but we find joy when we use the gift that God has given us to the calling to which he's given us to use it. Does that make sense at all? Okay. Hey, trusting you're with me on this. And so if you ever find yourself empty and you feel like the wheels are spinning and you're not getting any mud or, or on your tires or traction in your tires, it may be that you're sitting on your gift and not using and employing it and doing the thing that God has called you to, to do. And so I think the, the willingness and, and ability to say yes to serving comes when we know that God has called us, when we are convinced that we're gifted, not comparing it with somebody else's, but that we're gifted too, and then that he has unleashed us to use his gift, and we feel equipped to go out and use the gift that he's given us as well. And so Romans 12, uh, 1, starting here, how this fits into the picture he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or we'll say spiritual act of worship. And we know that when we're studying our Bibles, like we don't disengage our mind from it. Like we come to the text and we ask questions of the text. While, now this is Bible study 101, right? Like we, we bring our mind to the text. And so when we read something that says, therefore, when we just drop into a section of text, we want to know why is that therefore therefore, right? So we ask the question. And so for this particular scenario, why is that therefore in Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 1? Well, the Apostle Paul, he's been writing this letter to the church that's been gathered up in Rome, and in every way possible, he's taught them the entire gospel of Jesus. He said, guys, I've got some really, really bad news for you but I've also got some really, really good news for you as well. And so when you read the first three chapters of Romans, you just smack straight into all the bad news because chapters one through three, man, those are dark. Because what Paul is doing in Romans, the first three chapters, he's making sure that people understand that they are lost in sin without hope unless somebody comes into the picture. He actually caps it off in Romans 3.23 and says that we are, none of us um, are without sin, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so there's nobody who can come to the table and say, you know what, I'm, I've got it pretty well together. I'm pretty clean, so I mean, it's kind of a privilege that God would want to work with me, 
Okay? He says in the first three chapters, there is no one who is good. There is no one who is righteous. We all come to the table dirty. But he says, well, all right, I'm going to go on and I'm going to get into the good news because now you get into chapters 4 through 11 and he talks about the goodness of God in salvation and how God has taken dead people and made them alive in Christ. And, and, and if you're in Christ, this is the progression of your life as well, that you were dead in your sin, Christ comes in, and he puts his righteousness in your life. It's not anything that we bring to the table. It's everything that Jesus himself did on the cross. His perfect life, going to the cross, dying, his righteousness applied to your life when you come to him. And so one through three is undone when we accept Jesus' life on the cross. We accept his salvation for ours. And we become righteous in that moment, dead to life. And so he encourages them now to go and live out this new life that's drastically different than ever before. So you come to the end of chapter 11, you jump into chapter 12, and now he's going to show them this is how you live out the life. This is how you um, are, this is what a transformed life and a redeemed person of God looks like in action. And so when Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, what he's doing is he's calling them to look back at everything that God's done on their behalf. He says, look, I've told you that God is for you, that he's not against you, right? That he has made a way for you, that he's not left you alone. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies then as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And what he's saying is like, we come to the table and we live our lives open-handed to God. And I want you to think about the picture he's presenting here, talking about a living sacrifice, right? Because it's a little bit weird in our context, right? Worshippers of God during the time, they would bring animals to the altar and they would literally kill that animal right there at the temple on the altar. Now, that's weird to us because that doesn't happen in our context. We're not just kind of walking down the street and all of a sudden somebody's walking by with a gun like, hey, I'll see you in a little bit. I'm heading to the gym. I got to go cut this thing up, right? That doesn't work unless you're going to taking your animal to the slaughter. Now, if we start walking in, you see people carrying around goats and, and cows and they, hey, I'm, I'm going to give my sin offering. You're like, uh, what, what are we dealing with right here, right now? Right? Because that's not normal in our context. But when Paul is writing this, this is what a worshiper of God does. He brings an animal and he offers it on the altar. And what the worshiper was saying was, my sin is made clean by God and God alone. My life is made complete in God and God alone. My provision comes from you, God. It doesn't come from me. It comes from you and you alone. My life is full of joy when I walk in obedience to you. And so this was a big deal when a worshiper of God would bring an animal sacrifice and, and to, to lay it down on the altar. And so when Paul says, present your lives as a living sacrifice, he is inviting worshipers of God who have been graciously brought into the family of God. He's inviting them to lay everything down in front of the Lord. This is to say, hey, here's my gifts. Here's my talents here's my life, here's my mind, here's my stuff. I lay it down and I offer it to you and you can use it however you want to use it. I think that calls us to do a quick survey of our life to say, and how has God gifted me? Just think about that. Think about your life. What are the things that you're passionate about? What, what are the areas that you just feel like, I think this might be a spiritual gift. I'm pretty good at this. 
Um, God is kind of using this thing. I, I think it's an opportunity for us to inventory what's going on. And then what Scripture tells us to do, a living sacrifice, is they bring all of that stuff and they lay it down at Jesus' feet. And this is an act of worship to him, to present our lives as a living sacrifice in this way. And I've got to be honest, guys, this is a humbling act. It's a humbling act to live open-handed like this, to, to say, I'm not going to count anything my own. I'm going to lay it all down for the Lord. But I would say that an open-handed life like this is really where our emptiness gets filled with the joy of the Lord. Um, you know, I think there's this mentality of when you, when you come open-handed to the Lord and, and you don't hold anything back and you just say, take it all, that we're losing something, right? That, that, that you're losing something of yourself, you're losing something of your autonomy, your, your ability to provide, whatever it is. We feel like when we, when we come open-handed to the Lord, we say, um, this is really hard for me. This is a humbling thing. I'm giving it all away. But I think the reality is, is what happens is God, when our hands are open, he fills it up with the joy of the Lord. And so we don't walk away empty-handed. We actually walk away with the satisfaction that our heart actually longs for. And, and so I think this act of being a, a living sacrifice and laying it all down isn't giving it all away. It's actually taking all the joy that God has for us. It's living as a true worshiper uh, of, of the Lord here. And it's really a big deal. Look at verse 2. And he shows us what a living sacrifice looks like. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And if y'all are looking at it just like, hey, we're only in chat in verse 2, I just did the exact same thing. Okay, I'm like, this is, all, this is where we're at right now. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if you have the NIV version, it reads like this. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of of this world. What do you think he means when he says the pattern of this world here? He talked about it in, in the first three chapters, right? It's to take the goodness of God, it's to take his good gifts and the things that he gives us in our lives, and to try to enjoy those good gifts without God himself. Like the, there's, this, this, there's this twisted and kind of wicked thinking to think that, that I can take these gifts of God that he's given to me and I can have this dichotomous mind and just use it for my own design and for my own glory and for my own um, uh, human flourishing outside of being connected with God himself. Like there's this dichotomous thinking that takes place. The pattern of this world is to love the creation and to separate the creation from the creator. It's to live like God doesn't exist and to take the good gifts and use them for our own desires, thinking that somehow we're going to be able to walk away satisfied in the stuff without the giver of the stuff. And we'll never be satisfied by things that were never intended to satisfy our hearts. We'll only be satisfied in, in Christ alone using the things that he has given us to build, to build up the kingdom. That's where true joy is, is going to be found, putting our hands open-handed and using what God has given us and giving it back to him. And so I think in Christ what happens is, is that we are invited to be transformed because there's such a difference when you look at how the gospel intersects our lives and what satisfies us, then what the world would say actually satisfies us here. When you have a life that's connected to Jesus, there's a different, over, there's a different satisfaction level that we have than walking away and saying, you know what, I got a new TV. Woo! I got a new car. Woo! It'll be old. It'll lose its value. Then you'll be mad you bought it. 
The gospel presents such a different picture for us when it comes to what real satisfaction looks like. And I think in Christ, we are invited to be transformed. And and Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And the word that he uses here for being transformed is this word metamorpho. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. It's that whole butterfly effect. It's a, you know, being cocooned and there's, there's something that's happening to you that you're kind of in and part of, but you're really not like it's happening to you. There's this inward change that's happening that is seen on the outside. Uh, in this command, it's an imperative command. Hey, be transformed but there's also this passive sense in that we let this transformation happen to us, that, we are, uh, that we're not doing the work, it's being done to us, and so we're putting ourselves in situations and in circumstances where we let God do this ongoing transforming work in our heart and our mind, right? That he's doing that work, and so when I'm selfish, which happens quite often, I pray, gosh, Lord, like this is really difficult. Like I, like, I know this is not the life that you have for me. This is not what a life hidden in Christ looks like. And, and yet, I did not intend to be where I am right now. I, I didn't mean to be selfish. I wasn't like, hey, today would be a great day to be selfish and just ask for everything for me. But I've, I, this is where I found myself. And so to bring that to the Lord and say, I don't want to be in this place. I didn't intend to be in this place. And I'm really uncomfortable with where I am. Would you do some heart work on me? Would you kind of get me right in, in, in this place? Because this is not consistent of who you've made to me. This is not who I am. And so would you, where I am self-centered right now, would you by your spirit just turn my gaze outward so that I might be others focused? Might I, might, might I see you the way that you want me to see you? And might I might be able to see others the way that you want me to see others and that somehow intersect in their lives by using the gift that you've given me to meet them in, in that place? And in that way, we're letting the Spirit do some transforming work in us that only He can do. We are being transformed. And the life that begins to form out of that is, where do you want to unleash me? What needs to be transformed in me so that you might be able to use me fully? How can I serve your body? Where can you plug me in? And so when we start asking questions like this, and we start actually following the Lord's prompts into those places where he wants to actually lead us, I think joy follows us into those places. That we don't go there empty and leave empty. I think we actually go there and we receive the joy that our heart is longing for. So Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's just be honest here, right? It's one thing to know that we're gifted, it's one thing to, 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 to know that we're supposed to say yes to using our gift. It's a whole other thing to, to actually use that gift to start meeting needs in, in the body. And you might be like, well, yeah, you know, I, I know me. I know, I know this stuff, but I, I know me. I know my background. I know my schedule. I've said a lot of yeses, and I don't have any yeses left. Uh, I've actually got a whole pocket full of no's. I'll give you a couple no's, right? But I, I think when we start looking at our own track record and be like, I know me. And we start, what we do is we start doing this self-assessment kind of a thing, and we think, you know, I don't know if I'm capable of that. I don't know if I have the margin for that. And we start, again, we start doing this self-assessment. But look at verse 3 and how Paul talks about this. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
Self-assessment is good as long as it lets us be honest with ourselves. The problem, though, sometimes is that we're not always honest with ourselves. Or I, I think what happens is we don't really see ourselves the way that God sees us, or we don't believe the thing that God says about us is actually true. And so what Paul is getting at here is I think we need to see ourselves appropriately the way that God sees us, not to think too highly of ourselves, not to think too low of ourselves. And the way that God sees us, listen to me, guys, listen to me. If you struggle to believe that there is anything good in you and you're in Christ, you need to understand how God sees you. He sees you as his child. He sees you as a recipient of his grace. He sees you as redeemed. He sees you as valuable to him. He sees you as precious. He sees you as priceless. When he looks at you, do you know what he sees? He sees his son Jesus in you. You know why? Because we're not living on the first three chapters of Romans. There's something that has changed from chapter three to chapter four. He has put his righteousness on you, a righteousness that we did not deserve, but yet he has given it to us. And so now in Christ, when he looks at you, he doesn't see a mess up. He sees a masterpiece. He sees a beautiful thing that's priceless and precious to him. So if you struggle seeing yourself the way that God sees you and having a true self-assessment of, of who you are, listen to what God says about you. Don't listen to what everybody else says about you or, or worry about comparing yourself to everybody else. This is what God says is true of you. So let me ask you, how do you think of you? Do you see yourself as a mess? No gifts, nothing to bring to the table? Or do you really see yourself as a masterpiece? as the way that God sees you. See, I think an appropriate evaluation of ourselves, it's important because we are uniquely gifted by God. And the diversity of our stories and the diversity of the gifts that we bring to the table, they add value to the whole body. And really, when God is able to put these broken pieces back together, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't highlight us. It highlights Him and what He's capable of. And He gets glory uh, out of, of that picture. And then to redeem us and to make us His, and then to add gifts on top of that, it makes it even better than we were before. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Paul uses the body imagery here just as he uses several times over throughout the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12 is probably the most prominent picture of that. But here's what I want you to imagine. We've talked about this in the past. This is nothing new, right? That I want you to think about one body redeemed, but in our redemption that he's made us diverse. Right now, we are a group of however many people there are in this room right now, gifted in ways to help us grow and to help the whole body grow to maturity. And we are part of the local expression of the global church. So our local church is not isolated in its own little silo. We are part of God's kingdom in a much bigger picture than just this local area. And so now I want you to think about these walls, right? These walls that are around you. I, I want you to knock these walls down because the church isn't contained by walls. We're a local church in this physical presence, but the church is not contained by these walls. So move these walls out of the way. And I want you to see down in Lincoln, in Omaha, there are local churches right now that are meeting that are gifted in ways that you are gifted, but they're also gifted in ways that you're not gifted. And for us to compare ourselves to them would be foolish because they are gifted in ways to help build that local church, that local expression of God's kingdom in order that they might grow up to maturity. 
the same way you're gifted and why you're plugged in here, to help this local expression to grow up into maturity. And so if we were to go beyond those spaces, keep these walls out of the way, and you go south, what you're going to do is you're going to run into a place called the Dominican Republic. You go way south, right? And you get down to the Dominican, what you're going to find is you're going to find people who are worshiping right now, and they're building one another up with gifts that are unique to that local expression for the global church that helps the global church grow and mature, just like us here in this space. If you go further east, what you're going to do is you're going to cross the water, and you're going to land over into a place in India where our church planning pastor Prashant is. And he's building into a group of new believers in a hot little area somewhere in a remote village that we can't even say the name of it. We know the name of it, but we can't say the name about it because this goes online. And if somebody were to associate him with this location and the spreading of the gospel, he might lose his life or his position and hinder the work that God is doing there. But yet, there are men and women who are uniquely gifted in that space that are building up that local expression that is helping the global church be strong. Diverse gifts that are needed there, just like the diverse gifts that we have here that are needed as well. God has gifted his church. He's unleashed his church to build up the body and to make it strong. But here's the thing. Gifts aren't all the same. The gifts are are different. Look at verse 6. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And this is Paul's heart, guys, is for us to not be a tool in the tool belt that's not being used, not to sit on the gifts that God has given us and not using, or not to, not to sit on the gifts, but to use what he's given us. Because when we use the gift he's given us, it's not that, it, like, the body is built and it gets stronger, but the reality is the byproduct of that is that we experience the joy of using the gift that God has given us. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What Paul's pointing out here is that there are gifts, no matter what, there's a, there's a list in Ephesians, there's a list and 1 Corinthians, there's this list. He's not saying these are all the gifts. He's saying it doesn't matter what the gift is. Just use the gift, whatever it is. The church needs it. This local expression of the church needs it. RCC needs those gifts. The global church needs you to use your unique giftedness as well. The truth is, guys, we were not made. We were not made to just simply sit on what God has given us. We were made to be in the game, using the gifts that God has given us so that we might help build up the church, that we might be involved, to say yes to using um, our gifts. And again, we're not going to say that our, our satisfaction is met in the use of our gifts. We're going to say our soul is satisfied in Jesus and in Jesus alone, right? He is what fills us. He is what gives us joy. He is what satisfies the longing of our heart. But the way that he set it up is that he put gifts in us that we might experience the joy of of being used by him that we just can't experience any other way if we sit on our gifts. And so what I want to do, this is not a hard sell, I think this is part of the gospel, is I want to invite you into using your gifts at RCC. I want to invite you into the joy of using your gifts at at RCC. 
for you to say yes to, to things that, that are available to you, for you to plug in your gifts. Guys, as you walked in, there were things that were sitting outside on that wall, or little cards that look just like this. We call them service cards, or areas of service, or ways to serve, or um, if we want to be cute about it, this is our say yes cards, right? I raised my hand and I said yes. These, these, are, these are cards that just simply say these are areas that we have for you to plug in your gifts and use your, use your gift to help serve the body of believers here to help build it up. This one here says kids' life, preschool leaders. Uh, we need preschool leaders. The commitment, the commitment is um, Sunday during uh, school year. You get the summers off. Pretty cool gig, right? Show the love of Jesus to three- and four-year-olds. <sighs> Who doesn't want to do that? Teach a simple lesson to the kids. Materials provided. You don't even have to provide that stuff. Build relationships with families through serving each week, adult or responsible high school students. That's who can sign up for this. How do I say yes? Fill out this card, drop it in the basket that's back there, hand it to somebody uh, who's on staff, and then we'll get you plugged into serving. And the reality is all of these cards, they represent a place that we have a need here. And, and so that benefits us as a local body and we grow up together. But the reality is, God, uh, uh, apart from all the areas of service, and the need that we have, you benefit. You experience the joy of the Lord when you say yes to using your gifts. And, and, and if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, your first yes is to trust him. Is to say, yes, Lord, I, I, I mean, I, I see what happens in the first three chapters of Romans, and I see who I was, but I understand what you can make me to be in your son Jesus, and I want to accept that on the cross. And so your first yes, if you're not even a believer in this room, is to say, yes, Jesus, I want what you want. I want your life. And if you're a believer, your next yes is to say, how can you use me, God? Would you pray with me? Father, would you uh, just do a work in us? I'm thankful for brothers and sisters who allow me to be weird and uh, who pray for me. I'm thankful for brothers and sisters who pray for our family. I'm thankful for brothers and sisters who pray for this place, for RCC. I'm thankful for uh, brothers and sisters who are just sold out for the gospel. Who just say, Jesus, use me. Jesus, use me. I want to be used by you. And so, Father, thanks for my friends in this space. And I pray that you would give us the ability to just give our best yes to you. There's going to be thing, other things that we say yes to, of course. But Lord, we want to say yes to you. And let you fill our joy tank. And then we'll let that overflow into all the other areas of our life. Thanks for teaching us. Amen. Love you guys.